Welcome to Ghoul's Questions podcast from Corvin Networks, created for global corporate venturing. For more information, please visit www.corvin.com. So I'm joined uh, today by Bob Ackerman, uh, Managing Director and Founder of Allegis Capital um, for Question Time. And I'd like to say that Bob, I think, is an old friend and contact that goes back years from our involvement within the Corporate Venturing and Innovation Partners at a conference. So welcome, Bob. Thank you very much, Andrew. So, Bob, um, I'd like to kick off, really, but if you wouldn't mind giving us a brief description of your fund, how it was formed, and sort of how long you've been going, really, to, 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 give, us a, to, the, to give us the introduction to your depth of experience. Sure. Well, we, uh, we, we closed the first Allegis Capital Fund uh, back in 1996, so we're coming up on 15 years. Uh, we are a uh, often described as an old-fashioned seed and early-stage mm-hmm. venture firm, uh, typically investing in the uh, the first institutional round of a company's uh, financing. And I think when I when I started the firm, it, you know, a lot of the principles upon which uh, we organize and manage ourselves, uh, frankly, come out of my own experience as an operating executive. Uh, in my previous life, uh, I built a couple of startups, uh, one with venture capital, one without venture capital. Mm-hmm. I've been around that corporate ecosystem uh, in building my own companies and, and really felt uh, that there was an opportunity to bring something a little bit different, a little bit new to venture. And so when we started Allegis Capital, we built it with a very entrepreneur-centric uh, culture. Our team are all ex-operating executives. And probably one of the most interesting aspects of, of what we do is we work very proactively and collaboratively with corporations and really look to bring the knowledge, the perspective, the experience of corporations into our investment process uh, very early on uh, yep. and to involve corporations in our identification of opportunities, uh, in due diligence, and working with our portfolio companies. And uh, over the years, uh, we've had, uh, we've worked with more than 50 corporations, uh, 35 of which have actually been limited partners in our funds. So okay, yeah. Something we call active corporate partnering, and we think it matters both to us, uh, to the corporations, and of course, to the portfolio companies. Yeah, and no, I, I agree from the years that I've known you that that advocacy for that uh, corporate connection, I think, is, uh, is is a great strength in, in what you've been doing and advocating. So, c- can you give us a, a, a give, give us an example of a of a recent deal that's been involved with with a corporate? Well, put a bit of meet an example on that. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll pick one from this week. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have a we have a portfolio company by the name of Aprion. Uh, had a board meeting this week, and Aprion is basically providing uh, wireless infrastructure and application platforms for industrial automation customers. Mm-hmm. So these are, um, uh, you know, oil refineries, chemical processing facilities, uh, you know, by way of example. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've got two uh, partners, uh, two corporate partners that we've worked with over the years that are actively involved in this company, uh, one being Chevron uh-huh. uh, and the other being Motorola. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Chevron has also become a customer. Uh, has brought a tremendous amount of uh, industry knowledge, expertise, uh, relationships uh, to the uh, to its partnership with the company. Uh, Motorola uh, has brought complementary products and integration expertise. Uh, so both of them have brought domain knowledge. They've brought relationships that really advantage Aprion in the marketplace. In addition to both of them also being um, investors in the company. Excellent. And so it's the kind of relationship that we look for where, you know, the uh, the corporate partners take something away which they feel gives them an advantage, 
but they also bring something to the startup which we believe advantages uh, the company, in this case, Aprion. Yeah, no, excellent. So a good, a good example there of the of the strategic advantage and the, the financial advantage, hopefully, for, for all parties in that there. Good. So it, um, t- turning to the, to the wider sort of VC market and opportunities, uh, you, know, you, you do open the, the corporate venturing conference with your insights of how you feel the market is and how it's going. Would you mind giving us a, your, your view at the moment on what the VC market opportunities are like for investments and exits? Well, I think, I think frankly, you know, if you, uh, if you read the popular media, you're going to hear about all the challenges that venture capital is facing today. And I think really, uh, those, those statements are really a, are a backward perspective, a backward looking perspective on venture. I think we're wrestling through sort of the last faint echoes of the dot bomb. Uh, and yeah. all of the excesses, uh, that came into the venture ecosystem in the late 90s and, and up until 2000. I think as I look forward, uh, you know, number one, I will tell you, the innovation is alive and well. Uh, and, in fact, the quality of ideas in many areas is absolutely exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, his, history has told us that, in fact, some of the most significant and most disruptive companies actually are started in down economies. Yeah. And there's, there's a long conversation as to why that takes place, but it's, it's borne out uh, through the last three or four cycles. So as I look at innovation, it's alive and well. And what that means is that the opportunity for venture uh, is alive and well. Um, we are, no doubt, going through a period of consolidation, yeah. consolidating from the excesses uh-huh. of the late 90s. I think we will em- emerge with a, a more disciplined, smaller, more balanced, uh, more experienced venture industry. And I think that all bodes particularly well uh, for you know those venture capital firms like ourselves uh, that continue to do well and prosper uh, in today's environment. Mm-hmm. I think you also have a component here which kind of comes back to this, the corporate touch where looking forward, I expect that M&A transactions will comprise a greater percentage uh, of the liquidity events for venture-backed companies. Yeah. Uh, we've seen, a, you know, over the last 30 years, we've seen a significant shift in investment in R&D by major corporations. Um, you know, if you look at large organizations, 25,000 employees or more, uh, the investment in R&D is off 50% in the last 30 years. Uh-huh. In that same period of time, the investment in R&D by small organizations under 5,000 employees is up 400%. Yeah. yeah. And that, that really is the domain of the startup. So we're seeing a sort of a tectonic shift of innovation from large organizations supported by large corporate labs, supported by, frankly, you know, high margins, yeah. Uh, to a more efficient, more effective uh, model of much of that innovation taking place in smaller organizations where there's there's an efficiency and a time-to-market advantage. Yeah. Um, that's going to have implications for venture capitalists uh, in terms of, of, of where they look for their exits. Um, if you look at more M&A transactions uh, representing uh, the, the preponderance of exits, it means that uh, for venture capitalists, a higher percentage of the portfolio uh, needs to generate a return, uh, and it means you need to be very, very disciplined about both your cost basis and your capital efficiency yeah. uh, if you are going to generate a venture rate of return in an M&A environment. Uh-huh. Um, but that can be done. I, I look at uh, our exits over the last 14 years, and 98% of our returns, in fact, have been from M&A exits, right, yeah. and uh, we as a firm have been able to generate top quartile performance over that time frame. So it, it can be done. It just re- 
it requires sort of a shift in thinking uh, that, you know, the only, the only real path to liquidity is an IPO. That, in fact, is not the case. That's right, yeah. And certainly what I see with the corporates, the... Um, the perspectives a lot of corporates now are seeing there are some big disruptive changes and service opportunities and technology opportunities in their in their markets and they do require that quite a different perspective coming from from outside the organisation. So I see that M and A route as you're saying there for exit. Certainly, something well, in fact, I mean, you know, a data point. If you look at just look over the last uh, last 90 to 120 days uh, in the area of IT security, which is one of the you know one of the areas where there's a tremendous amount of innovation taking place. Uh, you know, you've got uh, 16 M&A transactions with a total value of $9.7 billion. Yeah. yeah. That's taken place between today and July 1st. Yeah. Uh, so the numbers are big, the transaction volume is significant, and it's all driven by disruptive innovation. Yeah. And from the from the corporate sort of side, um, what are you seeing as the challenging issues for managing that relationship with those strategic investors and that, you know, either, you know, for the, within the particular ventures or in you in the fund? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's the, the, the benefit, the opportunity um, is, I think, is clearly understood by everyone. Uh, large organizations have brand, they have distribution, they have market knowledge. Uh, startup companies don't have those things, so they have disruptive innovation. And, and so, you know, the opportunity to bring those two strengths together and leverage one another is, is, is clear and compelling. Uh, you know, where you always run into the challenges in that is in that small matter of implementation. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, and there's there's no doubt that there is a there is an impedance mismatch between very large organizations and small organizations. Uh, you know, large organizations, uh, their definition of fast uh, versus the definition of a young entrepreneurial company's definition of fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, just just really don't belong on the same page. Yeah. And so, you know, the challenges come in getting the companies. Uh, you know, both the, the corporate partner and the startup, getting them synchronized, getting them to work, uh, you know, side by side successfully, uh, each contributing resources that are available to it, understanding that there are cultural differences and managing those differences. Um, I think that uh, those, those probably in, in some ways are the most significant cultural challenges, and it requires a real commitment on the part of both parties yeah. to understanding, acknowledging, and then proactively working through those relationships. Yeah. Uh, for these relationships to work, it's got to be win-win. Yeah. Um, if it is not win-win, uh, you know, a lot of time and energy will be expended uh, and a lot of disappointment will result. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes, you know, when, you, when you're working with a strategic corporate venture group, you recruit the right people. They have that understanding. They have the commitment to working with the young company. They understand the differences in cultures. I think sometimes where it gets to be really challenging is when you step outside of that corporate venture team and you start bringing in the corporate lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and their definition of, of, you know, with their tens of thousands of employees and tens of billions of dollars of market cap operating in 130 companies around the world, yeah. their definition of what a legal agreement looks like uh, and the process by which you get there is often very, very, very different yeah. from what yeah. that small startup company. And it, yeah. it really takes somebody to rein in the corporate lawyers and, and remind them that their job is to document a relationship that other people are building and managing. And to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Yeah, and and also I think the the, the relationship there needs to be an ongoing one that that needs to develop in that as well, not something that's a one night stand, as I think you've talked about in that in the past. I, I think I think one of the I think you're absolutely right, Andrew. I think one of the real challenges is that people try and put a, re, a relationship together around a transaction. Yeah. And and frankly, I think both parties are much better suited to develop a relationship 
and allow a partnership to develop out of the relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. if you try and put a relationship together around a tra- transaction, uh, you know, more times than not, you're going to be sadly disappointed yeah. and more than a little frustrated. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. So, Bob, I know you're a high-energy and very busy guy, but what, what do you do when you're not uh, build, building ventures and working that within the fund? Well, i, I, I got to tell you, I love doing what I do. So this, this for me, is sort of my 7 by 24 uh, job and hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real kick to work with entrepreneurs, uh, to be able to share their passion for, uh, you know, changing the way things are done in the world. But that said, every so often you need to kind of step away to, to gain and maintain proper perspective. And so... Uh, uh, my wife and I, uh, we own a winery in the Napa Valley, uh-huh. uh, which uh, actually which the, the profits of which go to support our interests in, uh, in education and the arts. Right. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, a, that's a passion for us that we've had for the last 15 years. And, uh, you know, if that doesn't keep me, uh, that doesn't keep me occupied uh, when I really want to kick back, uh, uh, my boys and I uh, all fly fish. So we'll we'll get away to uh, somewhere in the world where there's outstanding fly fishing and uh, hopefully very very little uh, email, no cell phone, <laughs> and blackberries don't function. And uh, we focus on the fish for a few days. Good, good, excellent. Thanks very much, Bob, for sharing your your thoughts and views on that with us. And as I mentioned at the start, you're you're also chairman of the uh, corporate venturing and innovation partnering conference and. Uh, HR Network will be supporting you in that there next year, which uh, kicks off on the 15th of February, isn't it? So. Well, we're, we're, we're terribly excited about it, Andrew. Uh, you know, this is going to be the 13th year uh, that IBF has sponsored the Corporate Venturing and Innovation Conference. Uh, I've, I've been honored to, uh, to chair this conference uh, since inception. And this, this really is, I think, sort of the, the definitive uh, gathering yeah. Of, of corporations that are interested in venture and interested in venture as part of an innovation matrix. Uh, we're delighted to have uh, uh, Global Corporate Venturing sponsoring. I know you're going to be there participating. And you know, we expect 200 to 250 of the top thinkers in innovation and corporate venturing to spend a couple days together and yeah. you know, look forward to a lot of sharing of ideas and experiences and uh, mutual learning. So and catching up with old friends and that as well. So I think this, it's, it is a fantastic community in, in that and the relationships bit it's so important as, as we Well, we, we all have a, you know, we all have a lot to learn from each other and to share with each other and uh, this is where it takes place. Great, Bob. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew.